welcome back to Tiny Voice Talks and today we're talking all about resilience and how important it is when we're faced with adversity to just pick ourselves up and keep going, which is what my guest today, Simon Blower, has done many times. So welcome, Simon. It's so lovely to have you on the show. Oh, thank you for uh, thank you for having me on, Taria. I'm just, I'm really, really pleased and um I know who you are. I've come across you on Twitter, as I come across most people, and I would love you to let everyone else know who Simon Blower is. Yeah, of course. So I think, uh, yeah, we we connected on Twitter through through Pop, mm-hmm. which is uh, where we I did. am now. I'm a, a co-founder and director of uh, of, of a writing organisation. Um, taking it back twenty years, uh, I am a, a, a former primary school teacher and deputy head, um, passionate about making a difference to, to young people. Uh, I spent um, 16 years in, in teaching uh, two different schools. Uh, I was, um, yeah, a very, I guess, passionate teacher, a very patient teacher. Um, really enjoyed my time in both my schools. I've taught year one through to year six. Uh, and yeah, um, living here in Harrogate in North Yorkshire, proud daddy of, uh, of three children. And yeah, really excited to be, be chatting to you a bit more today about, yeah, some of my stories. Yeah, well, I love I love finding out about people's stories. And I'm always really interested about what brings people into teaching. So how did you end up as a primary school teacher? So yeah, I, I guess thinking back, I I never really wasn't wasn't the role I ever really thought I would do. Um, I actually thought I was going to be an engineer, like many many people when they're uh, doing their GCSEs. Um, I went off on work experience uh, to to a chemical engineering plant. It was the most boring thing I think I've ever done. Quickly changed my <laughs> mind and decided engineering wasn't for me. Then went off to college, probably just choosing my three favourite subjects to uh, to do at day levels in. Suddenly panicked, you know, half a year in. Gosh, I think I want to go to university, but what on earth am I going to do? Maths was probably my favourite subject. So I basically applied to be to go on a course to train to be a maths teacher. Um, went off to university. Uh, I was, I guess, two years into my, to my course, training to be a maths teacher, doing a maths degree. Uh, and I'd spent a couple of weeks in, uh, in inner city Leicester teaching in a secondary school and thought, Wow, this is this is tough. This this really isn't for me, you know. Teaching maths every day, I love it, but but teaching it's a, a different thing. So anyway, I, you know, I'm I'm not one to jump up and make rash decisions. So I, I ploughed on with my course, and mm. towards the beginning of the third year, I had the opportunity to go into a primary school and do sort of two weeks work experience. And it was actually the primary school I I've gone to as a child. And again, I've been there a week working with a year three teacher. It was just lovely, great kids that just laughed at you all the time. And, you know, you just had fun. And I thought, gosh, actually, I've made the wrong choice. You know, I, I actually, in many ways, the right choice. I think I could be a good teacher, but the wrong choice in where I'm going to end up. So I went back to university yeah. and they were, they were very understanding, allowed me to finish my degree in maths and then. I then stayed on at, at Loughborough where I had always wanted to be to do a PGCE um, and, yeah, became a, a primary school teacher. So, yeah, I really was almost panicked that <laughs> I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, that, but yeah, I and then, think that you're, you have to make decisions like that at such a young age where you, you know, 
I, I think back and I think, how on earth was I meant to know exactly what I wanted to do? I take my hat off to any 18, 19, 20-year-old that have a fully formed desire, you know, idea of where they want to go. For me, it was a bit like lurching from one thing to another. Similar to you, I ended up in secondary. Similar to you, it wasn't the right fit. It just, I knew I wanted to teach, but it didn't feel right. And then I found primary and it was like, oh my God, I was born to do this. You know, yeah. I'm sure there are primary, I'm sure there are secondary school teachers or, you know, at heart that are sitting in primary thinking, I'm not really loving this. And actually, if they just moved to secondary, they would feel that, ah, oh, this is the right fit for me. Yeah, definitely. I think maybe maybe the afternoons when I was teaching music and thinking, <laughs> yeah, this, this wasn't really on the agenda when uh, I definitely wasn't the most passionate music teacher in primary. But yeah, it's, I guess it was the variety with the primary that really struck. And, and, and I guess the relationships with the children, it was, it was very mm. different. Um, yeah, I, uh, it, it, yeah. And, and looking back was, was obviously the right decision. You know, I've, I, I sort of always look back on my, my time in primary school, um, you know, my both roles and, you know, don't have a bad word to say about it at all, really. I've loved every moment of it. And you've taught in, you know, the, you, the schools that you taught in, there was some really great diversity in, uh, it was, was it 27 different languages in one of them? Yeah, so the, so the first school I was in, um, where I was for 10 years was, um, yeah, it was, was very white British, um, very low percentage of free school meals and, and no real diversity at all. And then the second mm. school I moved on to, yeah, we were a hub for the local authority for, for children with English as additional language. Uh, and for children with behavior, emotional, social difficulties. And wow. I guess that was one of the appeals of going to the school. Um, I'd always felt that when we did occasionally have challenging children at my first school, actually, you know, it was about patience. It was about, you know, different ways of approach. And I quite like that challenge. So when I got this role as deputy head, it was really, I guess, the EAL element that, you know, really appealed to me. And I just learned so much, you know, we, my, 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 I was a teaching deputy head, um, one of my final classes that I had, there was 39 year five children. Um, 39? Yeah, 39. It was a wow. pretty, pretty incredible year group. I actually had uh, six adults in my classroom every day because we, we had three children with, with statements, as they were called, for special educational needs. We had 13 other children on the SEN register. And then approximately, you know, 15 other different languages spoken in the classroom. So, wow. yeah, it was... Um, it was a, a yeah, really, really interesting class to, uh, to to work with. But again, I just learned so much that I've you know mm. taken forward into the work that I do now. Really, I assume that's where the, the whole writing thing came from. How on earth did you deal with thirty nine different children? With was it fifteen different languages, six statements, thirteen children, thirteen others on the SEN register? How did you deal with that? So uh, I guess a lot of differentiation. <laughs> um, Great use of the the other adults in the room. If I'm being honest, I uh, I was very lucky that you know we we had some amazing teaching assistants, um, HLTAs. Um, so we you know we did a lot of group work. I think the way I went about tasks, you know, a lot of pre teaching, a lot of vocabulary, yeah. a lot of visuals. Vocabulary, I think, is absolutely critical. If isn't vocabulary so so important and something that can be so easily overlooked? You're, you, I don't know about you, but there was when I was a younger teacher or less experienced teacher, I always had this assumption that children just knew the words, and 
and they don't. We have to teach them it so that, you know, their, their sort of learning life opens up. Absolutely. I think we, you know, we, we had mats and, and I think that was one of the great things about it being a hub. You know, we had a team on site who, who, who helped schools across the local authority, but obviously they were on hand to support us as well. And, you know, I, I would forever go in at them. They were probably fed up with me to be honest, but oh, how can I go about this? And, you know, what resource should I refer to? And um, yeah, a lot of it was visuals, vocabulary. As I said, you know, you were doing a new topic on World War Two, and you you would just take it for granted of some of the words that children might might know. But actually, there was just really key things that, you know, you had to tell them about in advance and you had to show them a picture of. And, you know, they wouldn't, wouldn't have a clue what you mean, meant by a trench and, you know, a hole in the ground. And, so yeah, so it was fascinating. And I think what was great is you realised that not only did it help, you know, children with EAL, it would help actually a lot of the children in the class that found writing difficult as well. Actually, one of the most difficult things with writing sometimes is, is that visualisation and, you know, the children that just don't know how to write that first sentence, you know, they, they get writer's block in a way. And sometimes that's just from a lack of imagination, but sometimes it's, you know, vocabulary is, is quite key to that as well. So, yeah, I found a lot of the things that I learned and, and, you know, put in place for those children impacted on, you know, the teaching of the rest of the class as well. It's so important. And was oracy important as well, sort of talking the language? Yeah, so I think what what we what we found is we you know I'd always been you know passionate about things like talk partners, shoulder partners. Um, mm. You know, I, I I never I very rarely differentiated the tables by ability. It was it was around the children having good discussions. So yeah, you know, I would ensure that you know there would be you know somebody on the table that was you know was, was always quite confident, so that you know in those group discussions it wasn't going to be that you know those awkward moments of silence where two of your reluctant writers are trying to talk to each other. It was always mixed ability around the classroom in terms of uh, of talk time. And yeah, it was though, you know, I would have children who would scribe because, you know, some of the children who, you know, particularly if they landed in year five with no English at all, you know, some of the children have been in the school for a long while. Some of the children, you know, just arrived new. Um, so again, very, very different levels. So we would have children that would scribe as other children decide to speak. We would do lots of drama. Um, so yeah, just, just lots of different ways really of, of, and what were, what was amazing, they were like sponges. Some of the, you know, the, the school ended up, it was an outstanding school. And, and one of the reasons it got outstanding was some of the progress of children that came in in, in EYFS and certainly in Key Stage 1 with English as additional language just made such amazing progress through the school. You know, they, 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 were, they were good learners. They were really good learners. I think that's so important. I was talking to someone yesterday who was um, EAL, well, you know, she, she's now in her 40s, but was an EAL student. And she said that actually that hampered people assuming that she could progress well. And I think what you're saying is that actually, you know, there are no glass ceilings and we just need to provide the right environment and they will absolutely flourish. You know, all children will flourish, but children with English and additional language, if we provide them with the right resources, the right environment, the right, the right skills, they will flourish. And it's so important. Yeah, we had some, you know, we, as, as mentioned, the children that were with us for a, for a long while, we, yeah, some, some amazing progress. You know, children who went from in the old day, in the old days at W, um, all the way to you know level five in some cases by the end of year six. It was it was wow. pretty incredible progress in, in, with some of those children. So, when I think of Pobble, I think of pictures. 
That was that was the original thing. I think of these gorgeous, gorgeous images. So, how did all of that come about? So, you're sitting there with in this class with 27 different languages and countless other things going on. Working deputy head, how on earth did you suddenly shift from that to what you're doing now? Yeah, so I guess interesting story. Um, so, I guess one of the things I, I explored with that particular group was, you know, in, particularly in terms of writing, is I started to think about how technology could help. Really, you know, I was doing all these, you know great things with vocabulary and images but actually it was it was some of the other children and maybe not some you know so much the AL children even that that just lacked a real motivation to write at times so basically yeah yeah I basically started blogging with the children and you know I'd gone on a course I'd listened to to David Mitchell who you know I'm a big admirer of speaking about Mm -hmm. the blogging work he'd done in his school and basically set up a blog for the children yeah they just got got so excited about you know becoming a published author really um you know that we were a very old victorian school three stories high and the children would come bounding up the stairs on a morning saying oh i've had a comment from australia or somebody else in the class had commented on their work so you know i, I was already thinking there was something in this you know audience and purpose um yeah. and basically one of my one of my colleagues at school had approached me he'd, he'd always had this passion about you know children becoming young authors so we, we, we got our heads together and, and really came up with this idea of creating a bigger blog. So instead of it just being my school blog or a school down the road blog, actually we would create a space where, you know, any school anywhere could turn their children into a published author. Um, and it was really because the blogging had worked in my class, but I found it really difficult to get some of the other teachers on board. Um, you know, technology wasn't a strength of some of them, but, you know, they were amazing teachers, but... You know, they weren't always up to date with the most, you know, recent technology. And I said, well, I, well, I'll blog for them or I'll publish their work for them. So part of it came from I wanted just every child in my school to be able to experience that that wow moment of becoming published, but realising that maybe they weren't going to do it themselves through a blog and that I maybe had to help with it. That's amazing, though. I think that is so, so important, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, when children write their work, it shouldn't just be sitting in an English book for, you know, someone doing the next work scrutiny to have a look at in a sort of cursory glance, that actually their work needs to be out there for people to read and to be published. So, so Sorry, something I'm really passionate about. So love that. Yeah, and I know I think you've got you've got Pi Corbett coming on in a, in a, in a little while. Um, and, and yeah, it's mm. something he talks about a lot if you ever go and watch yeah. him. You know, yeah, I interviewed Pi, and, and yes, and I think it's. He, I think he. It was he and Maria. The, just various things I picked up over the years, sort of talking, working with them, and I was like, yeah, this is so important, and this is something that we often forget. We're so busy doing the the writing and the editing and the this and the that that we forget that actually. The children need their work to be published and seen. They absolutely do. And we've got class books. I'm sure lots of children that have worked with yourself or Pi or Maria have class books which sit in the book corner that they can go over to and they can flick through and read everyone else's stories. And they love it. They absolutely love it. Yeah. Yours has just gone. Yours is slightly more ahead of the game with the whole digital version. So do, do carry on <laughs> with the story. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. So. So yeah, so that 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 was the start, and then you know I realised I, I talked to you earlier. Maths was my expertise. I'd never been a mm. coordinator, and I guess as we got a little bit of traction, and we had you know other schools contacting us really to say, oh, I've heard about you blogging, um, you know, or this 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 site, Lend Me a Literacy, as we were originally called. Can we share some of our children's work? Can we we look at each other's? 
Um, I got my, my colleague Henry involved, who I'd worked with at my previous school as a bit of a literacy expert. He then got his brother involved. And, you know, I guess over the course of a, a couple of years, it went from just something that in a way was a bit of a hobby, a bit of a, a distraction, something different to do, to yeah. becoming, you know, the, the thing that we, you know, we all thought we would want to work on full time, really. Wow. That's, it's amazing. And it, and you're providing a different sort of platform for children, at, you know, to, to have their work published. So was it, was it quite seamless? Did you just sort of go, right, that's it. And that's the end of this. And that's the start of this. Yeah, um, so, so, so no, really, but the honest answer is it was, um, it was a really tough decision. And, you know, I, I certainly didn't leap very quickly. Um, you know, I was tempted to, we, we, we got to the point where, Henry went full time. We had a bit of crowdfunding, um, and I was, you know, thinking, right, what do I want to do? I'd sort of made my mind up. I didn't want to be ahead, and, and maybe this was going to be for me. So I basically went part time to begin with, um, sort mm-hmm. of three days in school, two days um, on Pobble, uh, and at the same time we were we were actually expecting our first child, and unfortunately we we, we lost our first little boy Lorenzo after just a few days, and. I think probably like a lot of parents who've, who've been through something similar, you, you sort of take back, you, you reflect on life, you reflect on what you want to do moving forward, you grieve a little. And I basically made the decision that I wasn't going to go back to school. I'd sort of started this project with Pobble. I could see it was making a difference to to way more than the 39 children in my class or the 300 children in my school. And, and I guess at the time, you know, thought this actually could really help me to have a have a much bigger impact. So I think since then, and you know, anybody that follows us will know we're we're very mission driven as an organisation. My mission ever since really has been to, you know, help as many teachers as I can and make writing as exciting as possible for many children. Um, so yeah, that was that was the real turning moment, I guess. So do you think your mission is very Lorenzo driven? So I think. Part of it is on a personal perspective, I guess. Um, you know, I want him to be proud of what I'm doing and, you know, hopefully yeah. he is. Um, but I think also as a teacher, you know, I, looking back, I, I wasn't desperate to be a deputy head, but I felt I could make a difference to more than 30 children in year six in my first school that I maybe had. So I became a deputy yeah. head because I wanted to help 350 children and I wanted to help children with special educational needs and children who had English as additional language. So... I think part of it is is me and, and who I am, and I just like to help people. Um, but I guess that turning point and that drive to always put children first, um, yeah, probably also stems a little bit from from what I've been through as well. And, and you know, I've now got a little girl, um, Eva, who's got Down syndrome. So we found out, so we, we decided to have another, brave as we were, um, found out halfway through our pregnancy that she was expected to have Downs, which was Again, a little bit of a shock. It's not really what you prepare yourself for as a as a parent, particularly after, you know, what had happened with Lorenzo. She's now five in mainstream school, had loads of challenges. But again, it's, I guess, made me even more passionate than ever about helping children with special educational needs, as an example. So, yeah, I think life experiences definitely, yeah, influence the way that you then want to go and have your impact in the world, I guess. Absolutely. And, you know, it's no secret that I have pre-podcast chats with people before <laughs> doing these. And, and you know, we, we spoke at length about, uh, you know, about your children and your loss. And actually, that's why we decided to call this resilience, because in the face of such adversity, 
so many people may have turned around and gone, do you know what? Actually, I'm just going to go back to what I know and stay with what I know because there's a safety within that. But actually you didn't, you decided, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to, you know, keep facing things and I'm, and and I'm going to make sure that more children are impacted by what we're creating. And I know that the lockdown caused Pobble to check, well, it caused you lot to have to work incredibly hard because you suddenly changed the face of Pobble quite a lot, didn't you? Yeah, so I think we, yeah, I spent spend a lot of time traveling and working directly with schools and, you know, I still love going and delivering training events and, and still working with children, but clearly that that was no longer possible. So, yeah, mm. we, we had as, as part of Pobble, we'd always publish children's writing. Um, you mentioned the images, we'd always had Pobble 365, which again was something we created as a free resource because we, we realized that you know, budgets were tight and schools were challenged in lots of areas, but we just wanted teachers to have something to use every day. Um, Where did you, sorry, really silly question. Those those images are phenomenal. They are just amazing. Did you spend hours and hours trawling for them? How, where did you find them all? Yeah, so we, we, we started off just working with one, one particular illustrator, photographer, and mm. then we just reached out. We obviously, you know, for a from a copyright purpose, you have to have permission to use them. So that takes Yes, of course. Well, that's and, the thing. And I was yeah, like, but... good gosh, they're amazing. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, it was really just, it was an idea very early in the journey of, you know, I used to do something called five to nine, again, thinking back to that class where there'd be an image or a video clip or there'd, there'd just be something when they came in in the morning that they just looked at and went, wow, right, talk to your partner yeah. about it. And, and, you know, those images, it, 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 it's amazing actually how many schools just use the images for talk or for vocabulary, you know, which which fits in with what we were talking about earlier. So they yeah, we are, just... they are wow images. You look at them and you're like, wow. And then your <laughs> brain goes because some of them are so obscure. You think, how on earth did that happen? Yeah, they, some are, of them... they really do get you talking, and you know, my children love them, and I've always loved using them because I think they're they're fascinating. You know, but I find myself getting quite lost in them. <laughs> some, yeah, some of them are are incredible, and and exactly that. That you know, they in a way that no children look at it and go, oh, "I already know about this picture. I've already looked at this <laughs> yeah. at home." And that then puts a bit more of a level playing field in, which again, thinking back to the EAL element, you know, then generates that great talk. And yeah, we we don't, you know, you're going back to to to, to changes with uh, with COVID. That particular website went absolutely crazy. You know, we had mm. um, ministries in Australia, Canada recommending, Northern Ireland government recommending Pobble 365, as well as, you know, it was on the DFE list. Um, it, it was everywhere. And, you know, thankfully we were able to cope with the traffic, but it really was a, a big spike. But alongside us, I guess it made us also think about other content. So we've added a lot of new content to the platform in terms of other lessons. Again, lots of them formed around photos, uh, but a bit more age specific. We developed our pupil tools further. Um, so things like being able to deliver a lesson to a child at home and that child being able to send writing back to the teacher to publish, again, is now in place on the platform. And even things like moderation, you know, we, 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 we consider quite quickly what are the things that schools are going to find difficult moving forward mm. and clearly photocopying books and driving to the school down the road to moderate a set of year six writing isn't going to happen this year so you know we've got a solution now to help it as well so but 
What yeah. I love about that, and and as you know, I'm all about connections, and I'm all all about connecting with others outside of just my my local arena as such, and and that's what I really like about it because it's opening up those conversations between a wider arena of educators to be talking about writing and language and and you know within moderation yes you're moderating to sort of check your same sort of standard or whatever but at the same time it's opening up those conversations about writing and the teaching of writing and what children you know how to support children best yeah absolutely we ran some pilots in in june and july and I think one of the sessions we had teachers from five different countries on the call. That's amazing. I know. And, 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 you know, we were just looking at a collection of writing from year six, a child that we thought, you know, was working at expected standard. But clearly, you know, when you get 20 teachers together who've, you know, been in lockdown or have been in, you know, isolation (laughs) and you put a sample of children's writing there, the, the conversation goes in lots of different directions. So, yeah, it was amazing to have that sort of video call alongside them then recording their comments, etc. So, yeah, it's, again, we're not trying to say moderation shouldn't involve discussion, but we're saying actually you can use technology to help to maybe make that process a little bit easier. And, and again, to allow people mm. from other areas, other schools, small schools, large schools, international schools to come together. And, you know, teachers are great at helping each other. You know, I'm sure one of the reasons your, your podcast is a success is because people just like to listen to other teachers and, take mm. things away that then impacts on their own work. Nobody's ever, you know, not proud to say, oh, you know, I want to learn from somebody else. So, and that, I think that's all we're trying to do. You know, it's the same with the children's work, to be honest. We we publish the children's writing and there's about 380,000 bits of children's writing on Pobble now, which is, which is incredible. Oh my goodness. But what we found goodness. is that not only do teachers put work on there for the publishing, actually it's just an amazing place to get ideas. So, you know, if I'm, I'm teaching the book Skellig. I can go onto Pobble, search Skellig, look for year five and six writing, and it will bring up, you know, hundreds of pieces. And you then as a teacher can say, oh, right, okay, well, I might use that example to show my class. And, oh, I really like the way that they use that particular genre. I, I think I might include that in my planning for the next two weeks. So teachers are actually learning from the children's writing, um, which is obviously a different way of thinking about your teaching. So, yeah, there's just huge benefits of having that big, you know, Pobble is a Celtic word, meaning people and community. And that's exactly oh, what I wondered. I, that, yeah. Do you know what? I just imagined it was a little sort of animal, but I'm really glad that you said, I don't know why I thought it was a little animal. No, we changed yeah. our name. I, I mentioned we were lending me a literacy for a couple of years and, and yeah. that was a bit of a mouthful, particularly when you were chatting to schools on a daily basis and you were having to spell it out. Um, so we decided we wanted something a bit more fun, something a bit more internationally recognisable and yeah, Pobble, Pobble was the word that we uh, we stumbled upon um, and, and has really worked. I think it's, yeah, I hope that when people hear that word, they smile. The children certainly love it, which was, again, one of the things that we, we considered. We asked the children's thoughts on sort of the name. Um, you know, they're, they're Pobbled, they're published authors. I'm a Pobbler. There's, there's so many things you can do with it. So, yeah, but it is a Celtic word, meaning people and communities. Do you know what? I'll always learn so much on these podcasts. I really do. <laughs> I love it. But going back to something you said previously, actually, is I think, you know, teachers do, they love to learn. I think anyone going into teaching basically just wants to learn for the remainder of their life. And that's what's fantastic about 
you know, something like Pobble and working with other teachers because you're continually learning and you're continually sort of honing your skill and your craft, your, yeah, and which I think is fantastic actually. Now, I have to be honest and say that I felt if you don't know Pobble, um, it's tricky to navigate your way around initially, but you have been doing webinars to help people, haven't you? Yeah, so, you know, having suddenly gone from, from traveling lots to being at home every day. Um, yeah, I You're decided. very bored. <laughs> I decided that <laughs> I would, yeah, like a lot of organizations, I would I would put my training online. So at mm. least twice a day, I run sort of 30-minute sessions. That could either be an introduction to Pobble, um, so perhaps, you know, like an English leader, you know, right through to I've signed up, but I'm lost. How do I get started? And you know, a lot of teachers start with just using the content because clearly at the moment, teachers are, are busier than ever. Um, so things like you can edit Pobble 365 presentations now within Pobble. So I know. Like that was phenomenal. I was very excited because I was watching your web. What I was doing, I was watching your webinar and then I had Pobble up at the same time because, you know, I'm when. I'm someone that teaches writing through talk for writing, et cetera. And I wasn't quite sure how to align the various things and so on. But actually what I've discovered is that actually Pobble isn't, it's not a scheme of work. It's not a, you have to do it like this. You have to do it like that. You can basically play around with all the tools, which I thought was fabulous actually. Yeah. I think that's, again, you, you take away learnings from everything and we, we know we look, watch very carefully what was happening and, there was a lot mm. of materials available, but actually the, the biggest challenge was that, you know, PDFs weren't editable or I was using somebody else's video. So we we already had a lesson building tool. So we, we just popped our content into it. Um, you know, it's built on slides that we, you know, things I used in my own class in WordBank slides, videos, um, uh, example text, obviously, writing checklists, but allow people to edit everything. So, you know, if you love our images, but you occasionally find yourself wanting to change the activity or make the story starter a bit easier for key stage one or, you know, make it more challenging. Again, you can do all of that now through through the main Pobble platform. So, yeah, it's it's definitely made it a lot more adaptable um, because, again, we, we know people love the images, but people, as you've said, use them in different ways. So, again, really important that you can do that now through through the main site. Yeah, it's so important. I think I think 10 teachers will use the same thing 10 different ways. But actually, you know, what you've created allows that to, to, yeah, to work. So where next for Simon Blower? Where are you going to? So I guess at, at the moment we're, we're busy. We, we've been, been very fortunate to, to, you know, to receive a couple of grants for different projects. So actually going back to our talk about EAL, um, we, we're about to start a project um, spot by DfE and Nesta to develop our pupil tools further for for children with English as an additional language, which which I'm really, really excited about. That Not only is that going to help UK, but going to help internationally as well. Um, Pobble's growing very quickly in terms of, you know, Pobble 365 as an example with international traffic. Um, so, you know, we've got a lot of traction in America, Australia, Canada. Um, so again, we, we, you know, we definitely like to grow outside of the UK, which we've already started to do. Um, I think my role will always be the one who's, you know, chats about Pobble, um, trains people. Um, I love being involved in the products. That's obviously something I never trained to do, but I, I love, I think one of the things about Pobble is you can hopefully tell it's been designed by teachers. 
because of the way you navigate around and the, the way the buttons it, are pressed. It's clear. And, and I think what comes through and the reason why, you know, <clears throat> I've really enjoyed t- talking to you is that, you know, you have taught from year one to year six. You have that understanding of EAL, of special needs, of the differences of the children that we teach. And that really comes through. And I, I, I really like that as a teacher. Oh, that's very kind of you to say. And uh, yeah, I, I hope people see that as well. It, it is something we're proud of. You know, we're we're a very small team and we're a very passionate team. Most of us are parents or have a background in education. Um, you know, we've gone through challenges as a team, you know, lots of challenge really. And going back to that word resilient, we've, we've always tried to remain focused on, you know, our goal. And it, it really is to, to help teachers and to make as big a difference as possible to, to as many young writers as we can. And and that will continue to be our mission, really. And, you know, however far that takes us, we, we, we don't yet know. But, um, yeah, we'll try and keep doing it with a smile on our face as well, which is really important. And that, yeah. And I, and I think you're doing great things. You really are. So the question I always ask everyone towards the end of the podcast is this. If you could have been taught by anyone, who would have your who would your perfect teacher have been? Oof, OK, gosh. And you did tell me to think about this and I haven't done a great job. I did. Do you yeah. know what? I, do, I always tell people to think about it. I, this is what I love. I say to people, have a think. And then what people usually say is, oh, do I have to just choose one? And this is after I said to them, give them 24 hours to think about it. They go, oh, do, you know, do I have to just choose one? Yes. And someone <laughs> choose seven the other day. I oh, mean, okay. seven. Well, do you know what? I'm going, I'm going to combine. This person wasn't a teacher, but my, I've not spoken about it. And it's very rare I get to anything podcast related or conversation without talking about sports. So I'm going to bring it in now. So I'm, I'm passionate about sport and football. And I think someone I've always really looked up to is Bobby Robson. So I'm, I'm not a Newcastle oh, nice. fan. I'm a, I'm a Middlesbrough fan, but I watched a documentary recently about him. And, you know, I was thinking about my first memories were, you know, football, Italian 90, um, he just, yeah, he, he really got me passionate about support in England at the time. But when you watch the documentary about him, he, he really was quite an incredible human being. He, he was, it was how I would imagine I would be as a coach. It was very much, you know, looked after his players. He was their father figure. He did it with a smile on his face. He didn't shout and scream, really. It was, you know, the way I think good teachers do it is, you know, you cajole people, you, you're patient, you so I think as a as a teacher, I, I think I would have learned a lot from him, but I, I would have really enjoyed working alongside him. And, and obviously the fact he loved football as well and, and was from my native northeast as an additional bonus. So, yeah, I'm going to choose Bobby Robson. Nice. And I like the fact you just stuck to one. That's a very well-behaved guest. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so um, for people, if they want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? What's the easiest yeah. way? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm on social media, so um, at Simon Pobble. Um, anybody can visit the website, www.pobble.com. Um, we give everybody a free trial of all, all the premium features we've talked about today, as well as having a forever free account. So, you know, those people that just want to use Pobble 365 is now all on the main website. Um, and there's lots of contact details within there as well if you, if you do want to discuss Pobble a little bit further or join me on one of my daily webinars. Fantastic. It has been lovely chatting to you. And I now know that you are off to take your children swimming. So Um, I wish you, I wish you all the best. Thank you. Outdoor swimming (laughs) in October. Oh, I didn't know it was outdoor swimming. Good gosh. Go you. (laughs) Very impressed now.
<laughs> I, <laughs> I figure having sat looking at a screen for a few weeks that actually or a few months um, actually being outside is, is a good thing. So, yeah, looking forward to it. It is. Well, have a lovely day and thank yeah, you so much for coming and chatting.